Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Right, Daniel 6 verse 8 says, Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. If you look up a little phrase in a book of idioms called the law of the Medes and the Persians, you know there are a whole lot of biblical terms that have come to be used in modern culture. Um, The skin of your teeth, and there's so many of them actually that come from the Bible but they've just become part of English cultural language. And the law of the Medes and the Persians is used, I looked it up in a book of idioms, it says it means something that cannot ever be changed. And then it gave a little example, it said, for example, everyone is treating the legislation like it is the law of the Medes and Persians, forgetting that Congress has the ability to tweak and refine the legislation if it isn't fit to purpose. So there's this little phrase, the law of the Medes and the Persians that comes out of the book of Daniel and out of the book of Esther because Daniel was a figure in the Bible who was serving God when the Babylonians invaded Israel and then the Medes and the Persians invaded Babylon and so Israel was ruled by some foreign kings called the kings of the Medes and the Persians And they had a principle, let me explain it to you. They had a principle that if the king made a law and signed it, it could never, ever, ever be changed. Because they figured the king is like a god. They wanted their people to worship their king and they figured gods don't make mistakes. And so if the king makes a law, and signs it into law, then it can never be changed. Now, evil people used this law to their advantage. They would trick the king into making a law without him realizing all the ramifications of it. So, when Daniel was worshiping God in the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians, other people got jealous of Daniel. And so they went to the king and they said, make a law that says for the next 30 days, no one can worship anything, (coughs) excuse me, no one can worship anything or anyone other than you, O king, and sign it into law so that it can never be changed. Now the king loved Daniel. Daniel was his best advisor. And Daniel worshiped God. And so as soon as the law was written into being Daniel went and prayed and knelt down to God. And the advisor said, look, look, you made this law, and look, your best advisor is breaking it. And the king was mortified because he couldn't change the law. Once it's written and signed and sealed, it cannot be changed. And so he had to have Daniel thrown into the lion's den But praise God, there is still a king bigger than the biggest king in the world. And his name is God. And he intervened and he shut the mouths of the lions. Amen? So in Daniel's case, the king was tricked. I want to show you another example when the king was tricked. Have you heard of Esther? Queen Esther. Let's read Esther 3 verse 8. 
Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus, there is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from all other peoples. They do not keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. So there's this man called Haman who hates the Jews and he wants them wiped out out of the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. So he goes to the king and he says, make a law that we're gonna wipe out the Jews. Now the king didn't realize that his queen was a Jew. You see how people trick other humans. Using this principle that the king is infallible, they use this principle to try and trick the king. And because he's part of the Medes and the Persians, once he makes a law, it can't be changed. Oh boy, you can imagine the advisors tricking the king, knowing he's gonna to have to have his own wife killed. But they don't tell him that. Let's read on, verse nine. If it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed. I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work to bring it into the king's treasury. So the king took his signet ring from his hand, gave it to Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. And they made a law. Verse, chapter seven, verse three. Then Queen Esther answered and said, if I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given at my petition and my people at my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. So what's happened is the king has made this law that on a certain day, a, a particular date, he says on that day, everyone is free and encouraged to kill a Jew. Everyone. And the Queen Esther goes into the king's presence. She says, please, can I be heard? And it was a risk for her because the king was seen as a god and so even the queen could be executed just for approaching the king and asking for a favor, but she risked it for the sake of her people. I don't know if you remember the story, but her uncle Mordecai said, you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. There's a purpose for you being the queen. And she goes and she pleads for her people. Verse five of chapter seven. So King Ahasuerus answered and said to Queen Esther, who is he and where is he who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? Esther said, the adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. So Haman was terrified. So I don't think Haman had realized what was gonna happen, but now he, the, the tables are turned and the king is angry with Haman. But the law could not be revoked. It had been put in place. The law of the Medes and the Persians What's gonna happen? You see, nowadays we just think, well, change the law. It's a human law. Humans can change human laws, but they figured the king is divine. He can't be wrong. The law must be right. Even though the king was tricked into making it, the law cannot, cannot be altered, no matter what. It is sacrosanct, it is pure, it is perfect, it is eternal. Chapter eight, verse three. Now Esther spoke again to the king, fell down at his feet, implored him with tears to counteract the evil of Haman, the Agagite, and the scheme which he had devised against the Jews. 
And the king held out the golden, golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it pleases the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and the thing seems right to the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agagite, which he wrote to annihilate the Jews who are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that will come to my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my countrymen? You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews, as you please, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's signet ring. So now the king says to his advisors, I want you to find out a way that we can over overturn this. But they can't change the law. They can't tell people you can no longer kill the Jews. That law has been set in place. So people are allowed to kill Jews on the 13th day of that month. The king says to his advisors, make a law, seal it with the king's signet ring, for whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. And they wrote a letter, and basically this is what they said. Verse 11, by these letters, the king permitted the Jews who were in every city to gather together and protect their lives to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the forces of any people or province that would assault them, both little children and women, and to plunder their possessions. On one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar. So basically what the king said is, I'm not gonna overturn my previous law, but I'm gonna make a new law which says you are allowed to protect yourselves and I'm giving you the ability to do that. Chapter nine, verse one. Now, in the 12th month, that is the month of Adar, on the 13th day, the time came for the king's command and his decree to be executed. On the day that the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, the opposite occurred, in that the Jews themselves overpowered those who hated them. The Jews gathered together in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm and no one could withstand them because fear of them fell upon all the people. And that event is celebrated to this day, the Jewish festival of Purim. Every year in March, the Jews have a big celebration. They dress up in costumes to remember the fact that they were living in a foreign land and they're dressed in Persian clothing and they give gifts and they, it's just a wonderful time of rejoicing. Thousands of years later, they are still celebrating the fact that God worked through Queen Esther to make the king make another law that was still honoring the first law but giving the Jews the power to defend themselves so that they weren't overthrown. Now I want to say to you that this is written in the Bible for a reason. If an earthly king's words are treated with such honor and respect, how much more the words of God. And the principle is for our sermon series Seeds and Swords is this. When God plants a seed of his word, he can't and he doesn't want to change it but he can add a sword that will allow the human mess up to be overcome and overturned. And this is an important point for you and me, my friends. You see, we think of God like a man. 
We think if God made a, a rule in the Garden of Eden that humans have free will and humans have delegated authority over planet Earth, if they mess it up, God can just override their free will, can't he? God can just override the delegated authority that he gave the earth to them. Surely God made the first rule. He can just change it if they mess it up, can't he? But the mistake we make is we think of God like a man. And God is God. Psalm 119 says, Your word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. Malachi 3 says, I am the Lord, I do not change. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Has he spoken and will he not make it good? 1 Samuel 15, 29, the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. The word of God, once it's spoken, is perfect. If humans mess it up, you see, God made a perfect law, but there was a piece in that law, in that seed that he created, and it was the problem piece was human free will. But he wants humans to have free will. He gives it to us as a gift. But when we mess it up, he doesn't override our free will. He makes another law that enables life and blessing to come out of a messed up mistake that humans have done. And I want to show you today because I believe many of us have misunderstood God. We think if God makes a law, he can just change a law. And God says, no, I add to the law of the Medes and the Persians a way of escape. And I'm going to show you what it is right now. So, Let me just show you quickly that God has given us authority. Genesis 1.26, I read this last week. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, cattle, earth, over every creeping thing that creeps. Psalm 8, verse 3, listen to this. When I consider your heavens, O God, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? and the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. God gave us human beings this amazing dominion over planet Earth. He's not gonna take it back when we mess it up. You say, how did we mess it up? <coughs> we gave it to the devil. And it's not just Adam and Eve. You and I love to point fingers at Adam and Eve and say, you guys, Adam and Eve, great, 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 granny and grandpa, you messed it up for us. I want to say that I messed it up for me. Every day that I choose not to follow God, but to choose my own way or the devil's lies, I do exactly what they did. I mess it up for me. They messed it up. And we have given the, this authority and, and power that God gave us. We give it away freely to the devil. And God said, I'm not going to overrule. I'm not going to override. I'm not going to change man's free will. But I'm going to use a man, Jesus, who's going to come and he's never once going to obey the devil. And he's going to take back the keys of authority. Let me read you a couple of verses. John 12, 31, Jesus speaking. 
Now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Why did Jesus call the devil the ruler of the world? God never wanted the devil to rule the world, but humans had been given authority and they gave it away to the devil. Now God's saying, I've made a law. It's called delegated authority and free will. Do I overrule it? Do I override? Do I force people to do what I want? No, no, I'm gonna send a man who's gonna never once obey the devil and he's gonna take back authority from the devil. And this is exciting for us. You know, in the Old Testament, the devil ran riot. He had access in Job chapter (coughs) 1 and chapter 2. The devil has access into the very throne room of God. And he says, I want to tempt Job. He's righteous. I want to tempt him. And God has to say yes. Why? Because delegated authority has been given over planet Earth and man gave it away to the devil. God says, I'm, it's, I'm not going to change my laws. I don't like what you're doing, but my law is set in place. But I'm working a plan of rescue. And Jesus comes and he says, now the ruler of this world is going to be cast out. When he's risen again, he says, now all authority on heaven and on earth has been given back to me. I want it back, people. That's what Jesus did. The devil can no longer, right up until the point Jesus died, the devil had authority to just go and pluck things from people. But he can't anymore because Jesus has taken that authority back. And that should excite you. Luke chapter 4, Jesus is being tempted by the devil. I just want to, I could speak on lots of examples, but I just want to show you a couple. Luke chapter 4, verse 5. (coughs) Then the devil took Jesus up on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Kingdoms means governments and kings and authorities and rulerships, all the authority structures of the world. The devil showed it all to Jesus. And he said to him, all authority I will give you, Jesus, and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will just worship before me, all will be yours. The devil was saying, Adam and Eve gave it to me, Jesus, I'll give you authority over all these different things, which is why you came, Jesus. You came to win authority back. I'll give it all to you, but you must just bow down and worship me. In other words, the devil was saying, I'll still be the top dog. You'll just be my second in command. And Jesus said, no. And he never once obeyed the devil. Acts chapter 10 says, Jesus went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. He fought back and took back all the land that the devil had stolen from human beings. He defeated death, poverty, sickness, ignorance, guilt, shame. He took it all back, and now he's seated on a heavenly throne. And I want to close with a passage now. And this really is so, so important that we get this. You see, it's possible that you and I are like the Jews living in Persia, And we don't know the law of the Medes and the Persians. We see people coming to get us. And when I say people, I mean the devil's devil's soldiers. And the devil tries to harm us and steal from our health and steal from our relationships and make us sad and, and oppress us and give us guilt. And we see all this and we say, oh, what's going on? But when you understand God gave Man authority. Man gave it to the devil, and then Jesus took it back. When you understand a law has been written that gives you the authority to fight back, suddenly everything changes. You see, so many Christians are passive Christians. We say, well, if, if I'm sick, 
God must want it. No, he says no. A law was given, man was given authority, he gave it away to the wrong person, but I have made a way for you to overcome. My power is available to you. Just like the Jews fought back and were not destroyed, you can fight back. The problem is most of us don't know how to fight because we think, oh well, it must be God's will if I'm sick or if this problem is happening. Listen to Revelation 12. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. That's Israel. 12 stars is the 12 tribes of Israel. This is Israel. The, the great sign of a woman about to give birth is Israel. Verse two, then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. That's her about to bring Jesus, the, the Messiah, the seed that's gonna rescue us. Verse three, another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and 10 horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. The devil wanted to destroy Jesus, either by making him sin or by killing him, but he didn't realize when he killed him he was actually giving him the victory to take back authority over the earth, amazing. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. That's Israel being exiled from the land of Israel. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Jesus overthrew the devil. Now the ruler of this world is cast out. This is what was happening. The devil had had access into the throne room of God in the book of Job to say, God, I wanna tempt Job. I wanna tempt Peter. I wanna test this. I wanna do this. And God had to say yes because of the law of the Medes and the Persians. He'd made a delegated authority. But now that Jesus has taken authority back, that place that the devil had Access to ask, to tempt and hurt us has been taken away. He's cast out a second time. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him. Who's they? That's you and me, friends. That's us who have now been given a law that enables us to fight back and overcome. And they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. I don't want to lie to you and say there isn't a fight. There is a fight, but I want to tell you, you've been given a law. You've been given authority. 
You've been given a piece of paper written by God himself that says you have the authority to overcome. You will trample on snakes and scorpions. Your word of your mouth, the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony has the power and the authority when the devil comes against you to tell him to get lost and it's time for us to stand up and use it. You know that law that the king Ahasuerus wrote that said to the Jews, you can fight back and overcome, meant nothing if they didn't take the law and fight back. Amen? You know, when the proclamation to end slavery was written in America, the president of America wrote the proclamation that said, all slaves are now free. It was law, it was legal, the power of the state was behind it, and every single slave could walk free if he knew and acted on that law. And some people made it their mission to take a copy of the law and to walk around from plantation to plantation and every single corner of America telling the slaves, you are free. Because if they hadn't heard it, they would have continued living their whole lives as slaves. It doesn't matter if the law has been made, if you don't know the law and if you don't act on it. And I want to say to us, people of God, just like Esther went in before the king and pleaded with him and got a powerful decree made you and I, the, the precious son of God has gone in, has won back authority, and God has now given you and I the authority to speak, to act, to walk with our heads held high. We're no longer the, the underling, the slave of the devil. He no longer has power over us. God has given us the authority to stand. You know, the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Most of us think that means I don't have to do anything and the devil will flee from me. And if something bad happens, well, it must be God's will. I want to say to you, no, we must do our part. Resist. That means you stand up. You say, no. You know, I've got a dog at my house and he loves to climb on the couch. And I love my dog. But even he, even my beloved dog, disobeys me and he keeps trying to get on the couch. And I keep having to say, off. And sometimes he obeys quickly, and other times he pushes his luck, and he just pretends he hasn't heard me. But I have to enforce it. I have to say, I mean it. Sally, off. Off. And sometimes I stand up like this, and then he jumps off. <laughs> Friends, the devil is like that. You need to stand up to him. You might say, I've said it so many times. I've said to the devil so many times, take your hands off my family, take your hands off my health, take your hands off my finances. I've said it so many times, surely I don't need to say it again. The devil pushes his luck and he keeps trying, but you have the authority and the power to stand up. There was an initial seed. It was corrupted by man. Man gave away authority to the devil, but God brought a sword and another seed called Jesus, and he's given us authority. I just want to say one last thing, and that is that it is a combined authority. It's a united authority. You know the famous passage in Ephesians 6? Finally, brethren, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devils. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against principalities, powers, rulers 
of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. And then he talks about the pieces of armor, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying on all occasions in the Spirit. Did you know that when you read that passage in most modern translations, you can't tell whether the you, so he says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You can't tell whether that you is a singular or a plural. And most of us, because we are individualistic in this modern world, we think it's talking to me singular. I can stand against the wiles of the devil. I can put on the armor of God. Me, it's one individual he's writing to. It's a plural you. If you read it in the old King James, when it's talking to one person, it says the. When it's talking to a group, it says you or ye. And in the old King James, it says you. It's talking to a group. And when we stand against the devil, we need to stand with other brothers and sisters in Christ. You need to be in a group And if you're having a battle, you need to tell one or two other Christians, or preferably more, and say, believe with me, agree with me, stand with me, let's take a stand, because together we overcome the devil. And it's when we're united together in purpose. When the Jews stood together against the evil Persians who were trying to wipe them out, they overcame. We overcame. It says in Revelation 12, they overcame. We wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not an individual fight. We are an army and we do it together. Get into a small group, get into a prayer group. There are some great prayer meetings throughout the week, especially Sunday morning and Monday lunchtime. Pray with someone and say, agree with me on this thing. And the devil will flee. The minute you resist him, he will flee. Let's pray together. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.